0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network. On the fake, Rogers lets it fly. Has Watson? He's got it on his feet, and he's in for the touchdown.
1: That might be the biggest catch young receiver's career for christian watson you can see him it's just press man they talk about his speed his ability to get behind the defense it's just a matter of can he catch it that's a great job tracking the ball he just took a big sigh of relief look at his buddy's greeting him on the sideline man that's got to feel good
2: What's up guys welcome into Packers Total Access my name is Clayton you can check us out on Packernet.com you can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access if you'd like to email the show you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com I'm in the process of trying to come up with a, a way for you guys to text me um, to make things a little more streamlined than just email I know some people you don't want to have to open up your email to communicate with the show although the emails have been flying off the charts which is absolutely amazing um, obviously I've been uh, Kind of on a hiatus, if you will. Um, we uh, we've been out of the country, and I want to apologize. We tried to get content out to you guys. The Wi Fi where we was was not very good at all. Um, it turns out that Ryan had to edit the one podcast I did because there was some dead air where the Wi Fi dropped momentarily. So, um, you know, obviously we got you some news about the Aaron Aaron Jones contract as it broke, which is really exciting. I mean, um, one thing you're going to find out with this pod is. We try to when, – when I have an opinion and, and a strong one, right, um, which you guys know me, I've got a very strong opinion when it comes to talking about salary capping the Packers because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who, who try to draw this this conclusion of just doom and gloom, right, that anything that the Packers do um, that doesn't completely go hand in hand with, with their opinion, with how they think, the, the roster should be constructed or the, the direction the team should go in, they come with this this sense, this narrative of they'll never be able to recover from this, and everything is just so doom and gloom. And whenever I have an opinion on something, I don't ever want to come across as extreme as those people. I want to bring kind of a reasoning to the to the topic. You know, like obviously you guys know where I stand on the roster and and constructing the roster. What I love the books to be 100% clean absolutely. I mean that's that's how I live my life is everything before you can enjoy something you've got to earn it first. I've always looked at things like that. That my, that was beating in my head early on with my upbringing that you don't swipe credit cards. You don't you don't say okay we'll pay that bill later. You and and first of all it, it wasn't like this early on for me. I was a knucklehead for from the age when I get out on my own at 17 up until roughly probably probably 2021, 20, I was a knucklehead. I was the one out there just spending, oh, pay it later, pay it later. And luckily, I had you know an older brother that's like a father figure to me, jerking not in my rear end and and show me, hey, look, it's time to grow up. You know, it's not all of, life isn't about having toys and 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 running around doing what you want. You've got to earn it before you can. Um, enjoy it right so that's kind of how I look at things so I look at the Packers the same way however when when things change across the league when change things and anything you anything you're doing when things change you have to be willing to evolve willing to adapt right you know, I use the quote all the time that if you if you don't like change you're going to like irrelevance even less right and what does that mean it means that anytime you're in in an endeavor or uh, you know, you're you're following a topic or you're emotionally invested, whatever it is. Um, you've got to know the rules of the game, right? It's the same thing with gambling, it's the same thing with anything, investing. You know what the rules are, you set your limitations, and you have to play within those boundaries, right? So this is out of my realm of comfortness. Okay. I want I want everyone to understand that <laughs> that pushing money out, it's not ideal for me either. But you've got to compare everything um, across the league. What are other teams doing? How do you stay within the boundaries? But you have to play this cash-over-cap game to compete, period. And, And immediate people, well, you didn't compete last year. Once again, quarterback, broken thumb. Left tackle, injured for the first half of the season. Left guard, injured for the first half of the season. Oh, by the way, we tried him at right tackle. Couldn't handle it because of the knee, right? Um, your edge rusher, Rashawn Gary, on our Devondre Campbell, missed a large portion of the season, <laughs> on and on and on. You have to take everything into consideration. This team can compete if they're healthy, okay? So if your argument is, or if their argument is, not yours, I know you're not in, in that corner. If the argument is, well, we need better players, I completely agree. 100% bring me all the good players you can find. <laughs> you know, I mentioned tied end being one of the things that I've kind of studied in this season. If there's one thing I came away from the season with a little bit better understanding, and that's the goal every year is to learn throughout the NFL season. And, and what, you know, I, I, I write down questions at the beginning of every season, things that I'm not completely sure on. And hopefully by the end of the season, the goal is I look back on those questions throughout the season. I want answers to those questions. This is from a fan's perspective. Right. And so when I look back, tight end was the one thing that kept popping up. Like, man, I've undervalued tight end. I definitely undervalued the wide receiver one. But tight end is one of those things that, man, I got to So I mentioned all of these teams that have great tight ends and you get mocked and ridiculed on Twitter when you mention it. Oh, yeah, let's go pick us up at Travis Kelsey. I'll take one. You're missing the point, bud. You've got to invest. You've got to invest draft capital. You've got to invest salary cap into these positions if you want things to change. I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy to go in the first round and find the next Travis Kelsey. What I am suggesting is, though, if you want an opportunity to win in that regard, you better take a few swings because if we just sit back and continue doing the same old thing, then that question is still going to be on the horizon next year and we're going to end the season and go, man, Yep, that was still a need, right? So, hope hopefully that makes sense. But again, got back in the country uh, yesterday and um, back home in Tennessee, and the trip was awesome. Um, it was it was a surprise for my wife. It was supposed to be completely designed for her. She she told me over and over and over, man, I I want to see the ocean this year. I want to see the ocean this year. And it's funny she she's she can read me like a book, dude. She's got me completely figured out. So what did she do? We she pushed me to go to the Hudson Valley this earlier this year in the fall because it's something I've wanted to do. There's a lot of historic sites throughout the Huston, Hudson Valley, and we wanted to see Tapan, New York, Sleepy Hollow, New York, around Halloween and all that stuff. We being me, I've talked about it. And she knows if she don't push me, I won't do it because I'm a cheapskate like that. I, I won't. If it's money spent on her, oh, I'll let it fly. But if it's money spent on me, I've got to draw out the pros and cons <laughs> and talk myself out of it. So she pushed me there. And then, of course, hey, what Green Bay game are we going to? She pushed me to go to the Rams game in December, or else I would have sat right here at the house and watched it on TV. So now, a little later, you know, before Christmas, it was, I want to see the ocean before the end of the year. Well, we went to Sleepy Hollow. We went to the Packers game, right? Reverse psychology, man. She's way smarter than I am, just being honest. So, that's how we ended up in the Caribbean, and uh, we went down and did some island hopping with the Saint Kitts and Nevis. That was my favorite stop. We were just about to South America. We were off the southern southern coast of Saint Kitts and Nevis. If you guys, I'm not going to bore you on this podcast, but uh, go check it out on a map, man. That, that island was beautiful. I did not want to leave. Um, we were down there playing with monkeys and um, little baby monkey. We had a five month old monkey that we got to got to handle and everything. He was just adorable. And uh, doing some hiking and just moving around, it was it was awesome. Um, the food was great, the beer was better. Um, people were absolutely phenomenal, man. We met people from all over the world. That's what I love about trips. I like, guess what I love about Packers games too. Oh, and by the way, uh, you know the the vessel that we sailed down on um, is supposed to be the largest cruise vessel right now. I think there's another one coming out next year. But everywhere I went, wearing a Packers shirt whatever on the on the cruise ship. Oh my god, it was go pack go. Go pack go in the airport. In the airport in Orlando, somebody said go pack go in the airport in Charlotte, somebody said go pack go. It's pretty freaking awesome. Um so Packers fans are just amazing. But here's what we're going to cover today. <clears throat> we got an email and really the email is going to control the entire show, which is really cool. I love when we get in-depth emails like this because it's going to hit on a lot of things that I wanted to hit on um you know either sometime here in the near future or you know a little bit closer to the draft, but this email is going to push us right into that. This comes in from, I believe his name's Liam. Liam. Um, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, but he says, greetings, Clayton. First off, I want to echo a previous emailer's request that we need you and Ryan on episodes together somewhat regularly. Uh, not sure if you were back from Egypt yet. Ryan joked that you were, <laughs> but when when you do return, I have a question. So evidently, Ryan made a joke about me being in Egypt. <laughs> Sorry, bub, wrong continent, but. Actually, I guess I wasn't technically on a continent. This isn't a, geogra- a geography uh, podcast, but, um, yeah, didn't make it to Egypt, although I would love to, man. I, I'm telling you right now. Whoo, Mediterranean food, Any anything up in the Mediterranean, I'm all about, man. Fresh fresh vegetables. And, oh, Ryan just got mad. If he's listening to paper, I don't even listen to the pod, be honest with you. I, w- I don't blame him. It's a joke. But he. Uh, I know he hates vegetables, but, man, Mediterranean food. Oh, come on, dude. I would love to go to Egypt and just meet people there. I just love, I don't know, man. I love traveling, love, love meeting different cultures and and all that stuff. So, um, so he says, Ryan joked that you were in Egypt, uh, but when you do return, I have a question. It's kind of a two-parter, but here it goes. One, why do, why do, as you call them, quote, dooming gloomers always point to the Saints as what we have to look forward to? It seems like our roster isn't constructed similar at all. I completely agree, Liam Lyme. I'm going to, I'm going to refer to you as Liam. I apologize if it's wrong. I'll just uh, ask for forgiveness later. Um, And the second question was, what was your take? What's your take on Bob McGinn's story? I apologize if I'm walking you into a rant, LOL. Thank you for always being genuine uh, from your self-proclaimed quote, redneck accent to refusing to be politically correct. Sincerely Liam from down under, down under, that might be Australia. Dang. I don't know. Down under court could be, I don't know. could be Alabama too. They're, down under if you think about it, where where we're all located so um so liam uh first of all man the politically correct thing uh i appreciate that um i try to keep politics out of this podcast and mainly because listeners it's funny we had some listeners say man i could do without the political rants which they weren't really political rants it's just pointing out that both sides of our political system are a freaking joke But um, both Democrat and Republican, it's it's not about what's best for people. It's about what's best for their pockets and all that. Um, And typically people who have a problem with the comment being made like that, they enjoy the drama. They enjoy watching the CNNs and the Fox News and and the bickering back and forth. And that's their entertainment. And I'm not going to judge anybody for that. Um, But I just I can't stand to see people divided. It drives me insane, especially when you set if you were to set those two people down that are arguing on Twitter right now about politics. If you set them down in the same room and said, what are the three most important things to you when it comes to your country? I guarantee you both of them would agree on those three things. It might not be their top choice. It might not be, you know, in their top three, but they'd probably go. Yeah, that's very important. But you never get to that conversation point because you've got media keeping people divided on both sides. And it drives me insane. So we're not going to get into a political rant. So but I appreciate the comment of you referring to me not being politically correct. Let's get into the first part of the question. Then we'll touch on Bob again as we wrap up. Okay. Number one, why do you, why do, as you call them quote, doom and gloomers always point to the saints uh, as what we have to look forward to. It seems like our rosters isn't constructed similar at all. Completely agree, Liam. And let's talk about it. So first of all, When you disagree with someone, when someone disagrees with you, when you've got these people that come at you and say, oh, we're going to end up like the saints, they're always going to draw an extreme comparison. What do I mean by extreme? We just talked about with politics. It's if if someone is anti this topic and I, I will not dare mention anything specifically, but if they're anti this topic, they will go and find the most extreme version of that topic. Right. And hold it up as if this is the norm, this is what you represent, this is what you agree with, knowing damn well that person probably don't even agree with that, right? And, And vice versa, they'll come back with extreme, well, look at, so you're saying this is okay? No, I didn't say that was okay, right? You're finding two extremes to make your argument. That's how, that's what's going on with the Packers right now. And what you've got is a bunch of fans, not a bunch, but some fans that are just kicking and screaming. They can't stand the fact that we've got to this point and they're going to try to draw the most extreme comparison. So let's kind of let's debunk that real quick with the saints. Let's talk about the saints real quick. First of all, the saints. Let's just compare cap situation. I'm going off Spow track. I'm always going to lean towards track because I know Ryan seems to lean toward over the cap and I think both are great resources. So if he's covering the over the cap numbers and I'm covering the Spow track numbers, you're getting a good blend of both. And I'm honest, you know, obviously like anything else, the truth probably lies right in the middle. Okay, so I think that would be a great way to approach this because I love that he uses over the cap. When I found Spotrack, I'm like, man, this is going to be a great way to compare the two websites as we go through and talk numbers. Right. So the Saints, according to Spotrack, are sitting at negative forty four point three million dollars against the cap right now in 2023. The Packers are negative eight point (laughs) eight million. So extreme comparison. You're talking about my goodness i don't even know what the exact number would be there what would it be 30 uh we 36 million dollar difference in cap situation but that's what the packers have done now when i talk about the saints right people go well no it's going to hit us next year you said that 4 years ago 40 years ago you said well, it looks okay now but it's going to hit us next year And then the next year it's, well, it looks okay now, but it's going to hit us the next year. And it's going to hit us the next year and the next year. That's what they always do. There's already tweets being deleted by these cap gurus. Like you can go and look at the feed. It's hilarious. It's like, why did you delete that tweet? I didn't say that because I don't, you know, I'm not on Twitter to argue with people. It's just funny how when things start to unfold, now all of a sudden they're old tweets that were extreme, extreme, just like we talked about, extreme comparisons. They – they get deleted and luckily there's people out there on Twitter that are calling them on it because this does nothing for our fan base. It doesn't unify our fan base. It divides them. It's there's always someone out there that wants to tack on things. I think the void tweet is what got, uh, got deleted, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I didn't dig too deep into it, but it was just funny that I'm going, Oh, they're going back through and deleting stuff. How hilarious. So 44.3 million for the saints. Uh, Packers are $8.8 8 So, roughly a $36 million difference in cap situation, right? Well, it's going to catch us next year. Well, but let's do this. Let's hop into 2024. The Saints next year, as it sits right now, projected cap. That's all that's allocated in, as accurate as it can be. This year, I think they were within $2 million of being accurate. So, the numbers we've been covering for the future were pretty spot on, which is exciting, right? Um, they, they've got, Spotrack's got a really good bead on what the future of the cap looks like. But, Next year, the Saints, 42.2 million over the cap. The Packers, 14.1 as it sits right now. You understand that right now in 2024, we're in better shape right now than we were in 2023 last offseason. And 2023 was in better shape than it was in 2022. If you guys remember, we had to clear a ton of cap room uh, with the Devontae Adams situation and all that, right? So here we are again, extreme comparisons. They're they're trying to draw this narrative to where they paint this narrative to where uh, it looks just like the Saints. When you look at the numbers, guys, the numbers don't lie, right? Uh, Or as they say, facts don't care about your feelings. They don't. Like there's truth and nothing else in my opinion. If the truth doesn't prove my point, then I got to take an L. That's the way I see things. And believe me, I've taken a lot of L's. Ask my wife. She, I have been wrong quite a bit. (laughs) <laughs> right. And you got to own up to that and say, hey, man, I made that mistake. I said it with the wide receiver position. Right. I said that um, I'm kind of kind of eating crow with the tight end position because I've never looked at it like a, one of those, uh, you know, top tier ish positions. You know, everybody, you should be growing and learning as you go. Right. As fans every year. And that's that's my goal. So another comparison, let's look at this. Why is it we get compared to the Saints if the rosters are so different? Let me give you another difference between these two rosters. The Saints have 10 players that cost over $10 million against the cap this year. The Packers only have six players that are over $10 million against the cap. Now, you guys remember back in the spring of last year um, when I said the only thing I care about is cap hit, right? As a fan, I could give two craps about cap hit. It didn't mean I don't care about the cash at all. It didn't mean I don't care about the longevity of the – of the franchise and the financial you know, situation moving forward. What it simply means is this stuff always happens. Things always get worked out. Now, if it was on the extreme side, you guys remember, we talked about 40 million in simple restructures and Ryan mentioned it on one of his podcasts here recently. I was actually chilling Oceanside, listening to Ryan's pod. I didn't get through the whole thing. That might've been when the Egypt comment was made, <laughs> but um, he, he was talking about simple restructures, max restructures. Guys, we're nowhere near the max restructures. Right. We're talking simple restructures. We're not even nowhere near the 40 million dollar simple restructure limit. We're kind of you guys heard me in the in uh, earlier in the offseason here or at the end of last year. I want to see them stay closer to that 20 million restructure spot rather than the 40 million, which is the top end of the minimum restructure ability. And 70 to 80 million was the max. Right. So. Packers only have six players that cost $10-plus this year. Guys, the Saints, one of those players, one of those ten players, isn't even on the roster. I can't remember his name right offhand. I might be able to pull it up here real quick. Um, I'll probably butcher his name because it was – yeah, Onyemata, David Onyemata, a defensive tackle, $10.1 million against the cap this year, and he's not even on the roster. Okay, avoidable year. Marcus Davenport, $7.6 million. He's not on the roster. You guys have heard me talk about Adrian Amos was the biggest problem with the Packers, right? As far as the cap hit $7.9 million against the cap this year. Okay. And he's not on the roster as it sits right now. So, you know, when you look at the saints, it's basically twice as bad as what the Packers are doing yet. People say the Packers are doing the same thing. The saints are, and they're not, they're simply not. Now, People will go, well, they they overpaid for Aaron Rodgers. What's the most important position on a football field? It's quarterback, right? So when you look at Aaron Rodgers' cap hit, $31.6 million this year. We've pointed out it's not even in the top five amongst active quarterbacks, which cracks me up. That never gets mentioned. Um, if you go down on the Saints roster, they're one, two, three, four, five, sixth highest paid player. million against the cap. Their starting quarterback is Jameis Winston. Who would you rather have leading your team? (laughs) A four time MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback, Super Bowl MVP, right? All world quarterback when healthy, or Jameis Winston? So these are the things that don't get talked about. But again, there is no comparison to the Saints, guys. Negative 44 million in cap, we're negative eight which is going to get cleaned up in the blink of an eye. And we'll talk about that on the back end of this con- on this uh, podcast. The saints have 10 players that cost more than 10 million against the cap. One of which isn't even on the roster. The Packers only have six players on the roster. Well, Adrian Amos is a big hit. Yeah. You know, the saints have a player that's not on the roster. 7.6 million. Marcus Davenport isn't on the roster and he's a 7.6 million dollar cap hit, just 300 K less than Adrian Amos. But you better mention that they have another player that's 10 million against the cap that ain't on the team. Right. So it's important to point those things out. It really is. Um, one of those Saints players, like I said, not even being on the roster is just amazing to me. Um, so that's how you get. That's the difference. What I'm trying the point I'm trying to make is the Saints have all this money tied up in Cameron Jordan, 25.6 million, Marshawn Lattimore, 22.4 million, Ryan Ramchek, 24, 21.4 million. Uh a guard on Andres Andres Pete. Andres Pete, however you say his name, $18.3 million. Alvin Kamara, $16 million. Alvin Kamara one's funny because he he's literally, his cap hit is twice as much as Aaron Jones's cap hit now after the restructure. By the way, did we not nail that restructure? And again, I'm always going to lean on the minimal side. I don't want to come across with an quote-unquote extreme <laughs> take on a situation just because I feel like that's the best thing for the team. I said I would love to see them free up $8 million this year for – um, Aaron Jones, what ended up happening? We freed up over 11 million under promise, over deliver. That's what we're trying to do on the pod. So, really exciting stuff for me. But yeah, to answer your question, Liam, um, that, uh, there is no comparison to the saints but there's always going to be an extreme comparison because when people are kicking and screaming and they cannot stand the fact that Aaron Rodgers might be back as a packer it's driving them crazy and i think it's i want to say it's hilarious but it's it's embarrassing as a packer fan to see how upset they are that they are understanding that there's a slight chance that Aaron Rodgers might return as quarterback guys if he comes back hey giddy up let's get everybody healthy let's go run for a super bowl right if he's not back, I'm buying me a Jordan Love jersey and love season has begun, all right, because I'm a Packer fan. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand uh, that uh, football or front office moves more than Brian Good Russ Ball and everyone else. And I know there are some people that like to do that, right, and they like to uh, pretend like they understand what's going on more than the the guys that are paid, you know, collectively millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars to, uh, to run this, you know, it's a sports franchise, but it's a business, right? Um, it's just amazing to me that people's ego gets to that that point. So, how do the Packers make this happen? It's through the way the roster is constructed. Okay, it's it's okay. One of the things we talked about: cash over cap. If you're going to play the cash over cap game, which the Packers are doing, they're kind of let's say the let's say the league is broke down into thirds, right? You got a third of the team, a third of the team, a third or a third of the teams, a third of the teams, a third of the teams, of the teams right? You've got the top third are like all in on cash over cap, right? The Rams did it a couple a couple years ago and they won a Super Bowl, right? Last year actually. Um, there's uh, several teams that are kind of all in on it. Then you've got some teams that are kind of they're they're a little more than halfway into the cash over cap. I feel like the Packers are in that category. And then you got some that ain't even touching it, right? So when you play the cash over cap game, you've got to hit on draft picks. You've got to right? And it doesn't mean that you've got to have superstars. You guys know I've been critical of uh, of Brian Gutekind's draft classes here recently. I, I feel like there's other, it's not to say I could do better. It's not to say he's horrible, but you draw a comparison. Everything is compared in a bubble throughout the National Football League. When you look at what the Seahawks did this year with their draft class, phenomenal, right? I want my draft classes to end up as good as possible. So for me not to draw a comparison with the best or the team, the organizations that had the most success here in these previous draft classes, um, it's, it's robbing our fans, robbing our listeners of the truth. And again, just because, just because I don't want it to be true. Don't mean I don't talk about it, right? You've got, you've got to talk about everything. If you see it, you got to say it. That's what's going to create good content so we can all learn and grow and and move on. So the Packers roster, how are they able to only be negative 8 million over the cap With having, you know, the cap hits at the top, like the David Bakhtiari's, which is extremely high cap hit. Kenny Clark, over $20 million cap hit, which is underperformed. You guys know I've I've talked about that. I hope he rebounds this year, but if he don't, this may be Kenny Clark's last year in green and gold, right? Um, Let's hope he pulls it together because you're not going to find a nicer guy. Um, So... It's because of the roster construction and cheap rookie contracts that are actually contributing on the field. Now, we all know our wide receiver class struggled last year, right? But they also did some good things. Christian Watson came on strong there in the second half. Romeo Dobbs played a key role. He had some mistakes. Every rookie will, right? Samori Torre, you know, had the touchdown catch there. I believe it was in Philly, if I remember correctly. Um, he showed some, some promise. I could see him stepping into a little more of a role when we go to a four wide receiver set, which very rarely happens, or – God forbid one of our wide receivers go down with an injury, he has to step into the number three row. Um, I think he can contribute. I think he's going to grow. He's going to get better. Aaron had a lot of – saying a lot of praises for him. You won't hear that in the media because Aaron Rodgers is a horrible teammate. And, again, extreme comparisons, extreme reporting. They won't mention those things. They won't mention that Aaron Jones said that Aaron Rodgers – was uh, the the best teammate he could ever ask for when he first came into the organization. As a young player, he accepted him. He embraced him. He told him he's one of his favorite people in the organization. You won't hear about Christian Watson praising Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers praising Christian Watson. You won't hear Aaron talking good about Romeo Dobbs or Romeo Dobbs talking good about Aaron because the only thing they're going to show is Romeo Dobbs saying he hasn't, hung quote-unquote, hung out with Aaron Rodgers. You can see the narrative constantly being drawn. But these receivers, I think that there's a lot of upside especially with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. And Samori Torre has an opportunity to become a a James Jones type receiver, not necessarily from build or style of play, but just kind of contributing. One of those players that you don't expect to do much, and then you look up and he might have seven touchdowns in a season, right? Um, I think he's just kind of got that to him. I've watched Packer football since 2003. And I got a pretty good beat on this. I never felt like this with, uh, you know, with Geronimo Allison. I never felt like this with uh, some of the other receivers that have kind of come and gone. The, You know, the Aberderis's and the uh, Jeff Janice's. I wasn't one of those, you know, presidents of the fan club. But Samori Torre, there's something there. I, know I can't quite put my finger on it. I feel like he's going to contribute a little bit. Uh, no way would I suggest that he's going to contribute at the level Donald Driver did over the course of his career. But I can see him in moments kind of becoming that. Right. And it all comes down to are we going to stay in 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets more than 12 personnel two two wide receiver, two tight end sets. Right. Or are we going to lean in the Shanahan system with 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, actually go out and get a fullback and and or, you know, at least use the guar in the fullback row, if you will. So um, but how is it constructed? First of all, let's do this. Let's play a video. This came from Packers.com. I am really uh, I really enjoy this. It's a quick video, and it's going to be on the offensive rookies um, in review. And let's just kind of hear what they have to say uh, about them over at Packers.com, and then we're going to break down the rookie contracts and talk about how they helped fill out this
0: roster. Well, he gave us a legitimate home run threat. Throws the middle. Go cutting left. 50. Accelerates. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Oh, the big ability! Well, I just want to be dominant. Just knowing that if the ball is coming my way, I'm going to make a play. And grab and the corner of the outside for a touchdown, Christian Watson! You know that he's going to go out there and execute to the best of his abilities. Got his man to the end zone yes. for the touchdown, Romeo Dobbs. Rome, there were a lot of great moments with him. Back to touchdown, Green Bay Packers. What an adjustment by the rookie. Play a day makes the catch. I think the sky's the limit for him. He's super talented, and I think he approaches it the right way. Now rainbows into the end yes. zone, touchdown, Samari. Toure. I was proud of Samari with his second uh, adjustment there on his touchdown. That's a big moment for
1: the kid, first touchdown in the NFL. very excited about those guys and their ability, what they can do in the future. For the rookies, they were very productive. That's exciting moving forward. Those three wideouts weren't the only rookies to make a splash on offense. Green Bay may have struck gold in the fourth round with lineman Zach Tom.
0: You know, you're always trying to get your best guys out there, and he's done an outstanding job, and Zach... His ability to play multiple positions is a good problem for us. I think Zach Tom has done a terrific job of being the next man up. He's played well, both in the running game and in the pass protection end of things. He prepares and comes to work every day like he was a 10-year vet. And that's the thing, he's humble, he's hungry, and he'll do whatever's asked of him.
2: Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. So the the play they showed there was Samori Torres' catch. It was against Buffalo. So I apologize. It wasn't Philly. It was Buffalo. But let's talk about those players they just outlined, right? And how we got contr- uh, contributions. Now, when I when I look at rookies, I don't look at it like. I expect him to come out and be a superstar. The number one goal for a rookie, in my opinion, is if they contribute to the team, if they get significant snaps and they hold their own, that's a successful rookie season. I've always looked at it that way. If you land a Micah Parsons and they go out and win rookie of the year, a sign me up, a TJ Watt, somebody like that, where they just come out and light it on fire, man, I'm all about it. But you shouldn't hold that as the standard. That shouldn't be the rule. That should be the exception. The goal should be, for these rookie players to be able to contribute and show they can hold their own at the NFL level, then you start to take a step forward. Anything over that is great, right? So let's talk about the offensive rookies and how we constructed this roster. Uh, Christian Watson, you heard him talk. He's probably the, the one that I'm most excited about in the rookie class, uh, obviously, you know, for for reasons, you know, that don't even need to be mentioned. I mean, the guy was just – he he tilted the the game in the Packers' favor in the second half of the season. What do I mean by that? You you heard DBs like Philadelphia's DBs that were on the podcast talking about um, it's a different speed when when they're when a player causes a defender to run the wrong angle to tackle them that's a different kind of speed that's a different kind of speed right there and they had great things to say about Jordan Love too which is really exciting about the future right so um, when it comes to Christian Watson's uh, contract two point one million dollar cap hit. Guys, that is chump change. That is pennies on the dollar for the wide receiver position, especially with the kind of production that he provided in the second half. We want him to grow in in his second season. Uh, What I want to see from Christian Watson is I want to see seven to ten touchdowns this coming season, and I want to see him have anywhere from, you know, uh, 900 yards to 1,300 yards would be great. Right, and some people saying, "Oh, you're underselling it." There's others that would say, um, "You you got too high of hopes." I think if anything anything in that ballpark is okay, he can play at this level consistently and continue to grow, which is exciting, especially at 2.1 million dollar cap hit. Next, wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, 1.0 million dollar cap hit. Next, Samori Torre, 889 thousand dollars. Guys, he's going to be on the roster. He's going to make the roster again, and he's going to grow and he's going to get better. Less than a million-dollar cap hit at the wide receiver position is so freaking awesome. I mean, when you look at it, those are the three returning receivers. And combined, they're, what, $3.14 million against the cap? You know how freaking awesome that is? And, And here Christian Watson might potentially be a number one receiver. I think he's already solidified he can be a number two receiver, right? He's already showed that last year. Let's see if he can step into that number one role. But you don't wait on that. You go try to get a borderline number one receiver to add to the mix. That may be Lazard coming back. That may be Cobb coming back, right? And I'm not suggesting Cobb is an, a boundary number one receiver, okay? But we know what Cobb can do in the middle of the field. He was our second highest graded wide receiver last year. That that means something to me. Alan Lazard at the right price could be very valuable for the Packers. Last year I said I think Alan Lazard could be a number one receiver. Listen to me. I was wrong, okay? I don't believe that anymore. So I think if he returns to the Packers, it's going to be at a very, very discounted price, maybe in the three to $4 million range, right? Now, if he goes out and he gets $8 million on the market, $10 million on the market, then, man, go get your money. It's been a pleasure, and, and I like the guy. I think he's been awesome to watch, okay? So that's kind of how I see the, the wide receiver position. Now, offensive tackle Zach Tom, $996,000. This is the difference between the Packers and the Saints. It's why i brought this up. It's why I played that video and why we're watching this. We're going to do it on defense here in a second as well. It's because the Saints don't have these type of players, right? You don't have – I mean, you had two wide receivers that were starting wide receivers, and they combined for $3.1 million against the cap. You had an offensive lineman in Zach Tom that contributed at four positions. He played every position on the offensive line other than center, right? 996K. And it's why I'm excited about having him an entire offseason say, you know what? Let's play him at right tackle. Let's let him grow and learn to be our right tackle. Now, if, if someone falls in a draft that's a current top tier talent that we can put at right tackle and use him as a swing tackle, then hey, that's awesome. But you've got to start somewhere. And right now, I think Zach Tom is a player that, it with a full offseason under his belt, I think he's going to take a step forward at right tackle. At least I hope he will. Right. But again, 900 or uh, 996K is just, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome that's the difference between the Saints and the Packers. Let's move on to defense. We've got a video here from Packers.com about defensive prospects. Let's talk about them real quick. In the
1: hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view,
0: They're both obviously very athletic, and I think you see some splash plays. Hammer down on the play, Hey, Walker delivers the blow. Goff looks hit from behind, coughs at the football, and the sack made by Devontae Wyatt, the rookie. I just love the effort that you see from 95 when he's out there. Big, athletic, and again plays with a high motor. He's a guy that you really don't have to say anything to. Um, a lot like Kenny plays hard all the time. Rolling left, chasing Tua down in front of the Dolphins bench. That was the rookie, Devontae Wyatt. Breaks loose, cutting left, chased by Quay Walker, chased down and taken down.
1: He plays hard all the time. That's what you're looking for.
0: He has the mindset of what you want. You can surround yourself with a bunch of guys that love football. Good things are going to happen, and Quay loves ball. Get in the backfield, and there's the stop. They came in waves, and it was Quay Walker who led the way up the middle. And off to Akers, right there. Hey, hey. behind the line of scrimmage, flashing across the line. Quay Walker takes him for a loss. KO and Jerry Montgomery have done a great job with both of those guys, and we look for those guys to be big contributors on our defense. Those two first-rounders weren't the only rookies to make a splash on defense. Enter fifth-round pick Kingsley and Iñbari. Wilson looking at it from behind, down he goes! But like nearly intercepted. Oh, broken up beautifully
2: by Iñbari. There's a lot of things that J.J. has that you cannot coach. You know, he's a long, lengthy guy, who moves,
0: bends extremely well. Takes, hands it off to Singletary. Hit in the backfield, down he goes. thing we're always trying to do is get these guys into a comfort zone to know what they're supposed to do so that their talents can come out. Love
2: it, love it, love it, love it. Okay, so those players, they just highlighted, right? Quay Walker. Quay Walker, $3.1 million cap hit. Guys, he led the team in tackles and forced fumbles, okay? Now, you guys know I've been critical of Quay. Because of the PFF grade, and at times I see him get out of position. And there's some people that argue, no, oh, that wasn't his assignment. I got when I'm sorry, you're not going to convince me that when they run a read option and Quay is chasing the running back down three seconds into the play, and the quarterback's running up at the opposite sideline. I don't care what his assignment was; he blew that play. He did not do what he was supposed to do. Those are the things that PFF picks up on, as where well, other people go, well, it wasn't technically his responsibility. It wasn't technically his responsibility, but you're not going to convince me that that's a plus-two play. Sorry, ain't going to happen, right? But even with the mistakes, the athleticism, the aggressiveness, they talk about how he loves ball, the way he attacks the ball. You guys heard me on every post game show this year talk about, man, I love the way he attacks the ball with violence, right? And we've got some things that we need to clean up, uh, you know, uh, as far as like um, being too aggressive after the play and getting penalties called, that's been talked about at nauseum. I think he's going to clean that up. I think Quay's a great guy. I think I think he can take a step forward next year. Is what I'm saying. Led the team in tackles and forced fumbles, 3.1 million against the cap. Defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt, 2.9 million dollars against the cap. Devontae Wyatt, in my opinion, was one of the better picks of this draft, and I think you're going to see it in 2024. He to me he showed flashes in 2023 and for whatever reason he couldn't get on the field, um, you know maybe it was what Brian Gutekunst just talked about that you want to find out what these players do well and put them in a position to do that well, right? Maybe that that was a transition for him. I don't know, um, but I I think we're gonna see a lot more Devonte Wyatt next year and I'm really excited about it. I think I think his PFF grade was over 70, which is great for a rookie. Um, I'd love to see him step up into the upper 70s and if he cracked into the 80s next year PFF grade, oh my goodness. That that's going to be phenomenal for this defense, especially while uh, Rashawn Gary gets that knee right and then comes back in the second half of the season. So um, again, Devontae White, two point nine million against the cap. He's the he's the the rookie on defense I'm most excited about. Then you got JJ Enigbarre, right, nine hundred and thirty k cap hit guys. The edge position is the most expensive position on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to cap hits. And we had a guy that contributed as a starter because Rashawn Gary was hurt. I'm not suggesting he is as good as Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary. To me, I did not see that. But, again, as rookies, you're looking for someone who can contribute, right? Um, 930K against the cap. He had three sacks. Guys, that's the most sacks by a rookie defender on the Packers roster since 2013. You may say three sacks ain't much. Think about it, how he came in for Rashawn Gary after he hurt his knee and to – you know, just a half a season or however long it was, maybe even less than that to have three sacks and do something that no rookie defender has done since 2013. That's notable. I mean, you're, you're talking about 2013. That was a decade ago, right? So nine years, if you go back to last year when it actually happened. So there's, there's things there, there's flashes there. And you guys know Enik Bari was probably my favorite draft pick of, of the entire draft. You watch our live draft coverage, I was over the moon about that pick um, because he was—he set the highest on the board for like two rounds for me. I'm looking at my draft board going, why is nobody taking this guy? And the big knock coming out of college was, you know, he's a wide nine rusher and he doesn't play the run that well. To me, he showed enough in the run game that he looked like he could hold his own in this league. So when you get Rashawn Gary back and you still got Preston Smith on the roster, what happens? You've got that guy that can, that's now has a half a season under his belt as a starting edge defender to be able to come in and spell these guys and bring that extra juice in uh, in pass rushing moments that's exciting. So again, this is the difference between the Packers and the Saints. You had three players there that contributed as starters late in the season and 3.1 million against the cap, 2.9 million against the cap and 0.930, you know, 930k against the cap. Uh, That's exciting stuff. That's how you construct a roster when you're playing cash over cap. You have to hit on those draft picks and more specifically those late round picks because you're maximizing those cheap, cheap, cheap rookie contracts that the new CBA agreement a few years back um, put in place rather than having to negotiate with a contract with a rookie and them being able to dictate just like they're in free agency. Now everything's slotted in. There's just a few little minor guaranteed details that you got to button up uh, as you're putting that contract together. So that's exciting stuff. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how all that unfolds. Now let's do this. Let's move on to the Aaron Jones restructure. You guys know I put a pot out while we were down there um, on vacation and we didn't have many of the details. The early indications were they freed up about $9 million in cap. Later on, we find out they actually freed up over $11 million in cap. You guys know I actually tweeted it out where we put a video uh, of the audio of one of the past podcasts I did when I broke down the running back position and I said Aaron Jones is prime for a restructure. Um, and one of the things I talked about was you go to him and you could say, hey, look, man, you're worth every penny. But. We really need to free up cap room. Are you willing to renegotiate? And if, if the answer is no, then you say, I you've earned every dollar of it. Uh here's your money. We you're going to be on this roster regardless. We want you here. But what if we took some of that, some of that money that's in your contract and guaranteed it over it being a liability? If you go out and get hurt this year and we cut you loose next year because of a, a crazy injury, then you miss out on that guaranteed money. And that's exactly what they did. So let's talk about his contract real quick. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because it's already been covered. But again, I wanted to hit on the new cap ramifications this year and next year, okay? So here's what I want to point out as we look at it here. The 2023 cap hit goes from over $20 million. This is according to Spotrack. Again, over the cap and Spotrack have a little bit of difference, but they're they're within the ballpark of each other. I'm going to lean towards Spotrack while Ryan continues to cover uh, over the cap um, 20 went from over $20 million down to $8.2 million guys. Now that, that is so freaking exciting to me because of what I was saying, let's get it down to about 12 million. Let's try to save 8 million against the cap. They took it a step further and went over the $11 million mark in cap savings. So what's his contract look like for 2023 now? But remember guys, there's, there's three key L, uh key um, parts of a contract yearly that comprises of the cap hit that I really want you to focus on base salary, signing bonus and roster bonus. Those are typically the three things that are the, the most important. Okay. His base salary for 2023 is now 1.5 million. His signing bonus is 3.2 million. The roster bonus is now down to 400 K. So you see what they did, the roster bonus, when that roster bonus is inflated, like it is in Bakhtiari's situation, when it's up around 10 million, the Packers can cut him before week one and save all of that money. Now you see that number's down to 400 k There's nothing to be saved. Well, where the Where does the money sit? It sits in restructure. Restructure, a uh, bonus of $2.4 this year, $2.4 Next year, $2.4 in 25, 26. And then in 27, it goes down to $1.7 million. Again, I, I do not care about those numbers at all because that is chump change to sign back your best offensive player, right, and again, the cap hit's going to be 2.4 million. Again, since they want to compare us to the Saints, let's put that into perspective. Our the best player on our roster just got restructured and put back on the roster, right? For for this year and next year. Basically meaning we're not going to cut him loose. Okay. Now, let's compare him to the defensive lineman that we didn't even know who the heck he was for the Saints. He's a $10 million voided cap hit for this year alone. And in 2025, two years from now, Aaron Jones is only going to be 2.4 million. You see, the the di- there's there's no comparison there. It's an extreme comparison, or is an attempt at an extreme comparison by those people who are doom and gloomers. It's that simple. This is a great a great move by Gudikins and Russ Ball, and it's amazing how people oh, I don't love Russ Ball I don't think he does a good job. This is Russ Ball right here. This is Russ Ball getting creative. Is Russ Ball getting creative with the Aaron Rodgers contract and be able to keep the cap hit so far down, right? And I, I'm really excited to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. I really am because it just feels like that comment that Aaron Rodgers made about um, the deal has to be touched. It has to be moved a little bit. I'm I'm eager to see what he meant by it. Could have meant to a little bit of a flexibility for a trade. Although I'm sorry, fifteen million dollars is what a team's got to pick up for that. Um there's just a lot of a lot of questions still there, and I'm really excited to see how that unfolds. But again, Aaron Jones this year, guys, eight point two million against the cap. Remember, we just talked about Alvin Kamara being sixteen million, right? Eight point two million against the cap. Phenomenal job by the front office. Now, people go, yeah, but how does it affect us in 2024? I'm glad you asked. Remember, before this deal got done, we talked about in 2024. Um, it being a $16 million cap hit. I said, once you get past year three, it actually drops down four millions in 24. Well, that number must be crazy inflated now, right? Wrong. The cap hit now for 2024 is only 17.7 million. It only raised $1 million next year. And it was 3 million cheaper than the cap hit. When we came into this off season for 2023, it's just a great freaking job. Now here's, what's exciting. Um, It only raised one to two million dollars there for next year, but his base salary in 2024 is eleven point one million dollars. So the three components base salary, eleven point one million signing bonus, three point two million roster bonus, four hundred K guys. You have to understand how to read that. What they're telling you here is the Packers plan on him being on the roster in 2024 as well. Now, what's cool is, let's say he comes out this season and has another phenomenal year, and it looks like, man, 2024 2024 is going to be just as good as 2023, or there's going to be a gradual decrease, which we would be more than willing to accept, considering how important Aaron Jones is to this roster. His production, first and foremost, because it's a business and we got to get the job done on the freaking field, he was one of, if not the only players that did that this year, Right. Why would you want to cut him loose? That's why we were going crazy when people were talking about you got to cut Aaron Jones loose. This is what, and don't those people look silly that wrote those articles? Uh, I say they look silly, but they got their clicks, they got paid for it, but they didn't get it from me. I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay through a uh, a paywall to to read a a hot take topic. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. But next year, let's say he comes out this year and he blots it up, and we go, we want him back next year. Guess what you can do next year? That 11.1 million dollar salary. That can be converted to signing bonus, which we know he would be willing to do. Let's say you come out next year and that cap hit is $17.7 million, right? And you want to get that down. You could go to him with that base salary and say, all right, here's what we want to do, Bub. Let's guarantee $8 million of that. Let's just give, let's cut you a check right now. You don't even have to wait for those weekly checks next year. Let's do it right now. You guarantee him $8 million in that scenario. And guess what you can do? You can shave $3 million. And and again, I'm doing things very minimal. You guys seen, I undershot on the other one. I said, let's free up 8 million. They freed up 11 million. Let's go to that 11, that, that base salary of 11 million and say, you know, forget the base salary. Let's give you 7 million guaranteed right now, signing bonus, put it in your pocket. If you'll take the base salary down from 11 million. And he says, yeah, let's do it. Boom. You shave $4 million off the cap for 2024, and it's a a win-win for both parties. I'm not predicting that will happen, but these are the things that the doom and gloomers do not talk about. There's ways that you can convert salary to guaranteed money and save money overall. I'm not talking about tacking this onto avoidable year. It's simply going to him and saying, here is a lump sum check if you'll take $3 million less, $4 million less. Happens all the time, right? Happened with Tom Brady forever in New England. And it got paraded around as if it was a pay cut when really what they didn't mention is it's more guaranteed money than they originally had. So it's it's a safety net. It's more of a, it's less of a gamble on the players' side, and it also frees up cap for the team. It's win-win for both parties. That's how negotiations are done. Those are the things that the Doom and Gloomers won't talk about. So really exciting stuff with this Aaron Jones contract. It was even better. You know, I put that pod out with the early numbers that I had and everything hadn't been released yet. So I tried to straighten it out in the tweet I sent out with it when the podcast went live. because I didn't know when it was going to go live with the Wi-Fi situation down there. Um, but one thing I mentioned in the tweet was, hey, it's even better than what we thought. And I know uh, Ryan did a great job on that portion of his podcast too, talking about that. So pretty good stuff there. Yeah. Um, Packers are in good shape at the at the running back position. Now it's going to come down to, and I haven't listened to Ryan's pod yet, on Aaron Jones or on uh, A.J. Dillon. Um, but it's going to come down to now the question being, um, do we want A.J. Dillon back after next year? You know, I love A.J. Dillon. I hope they can get the deal done. But also, it's got to be in the right ballpark because, um, you, you know, if you're going to be taking carries away from Aaron Jones for a player that's uh, maybe underperforming or a little bit, as we've seen, um, he can be a little bit of a uh, a weak spot in the pass blocking game. That Those things matter. All those things matter. They really do. So there's going to be a decision to may be made on A.J. Dillon for sure. Uh, if there's anybody who's going to be willing to give the Packers a discount, it's going to be A.J. Dillon because he absolutely loves Door County and loves the community, and the community loves him. So maybe they can work something out there. Now, as we get ready to wrap up, uh, what are some of the remaining restructures that we've talked about? And let's kind of hit on them here, okay? Um, remaining restructures, in my opinion, you know, you guys know I, I listed out five guys that I felt like were primed for restructures to free up this cap room for the Packers, okay? Um, one of them was Aaron Jones. I said $8 million, They freed up $11 because they got him to take less overall money to give a little more guaranteed money, which is really, really good news if you got the cash on hand, cash over cap, all day long and twice on Sunday. Bakhtiari, the number I put on Bakhtiari was $10 million. I said you could free up ten million for him. And that would make sense to me, okay? Um, now, when you look at it, six point seven million dollars in base salary, nine point eight million dollars in roster bonus. Now that you freed up extra money with Aaron Jones, I wouldn't put that number at ten million for Bach. Again, I'm gonna underpromise and overdeliver. If they restructure Bach, you might be freeing up closer to eight million now. So those numbers kind of flip between Aaron Jones and David Bautier and what we originally have. I could see them playing it that way. Another one was Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, I'm showing 7 million as reasonable. Um, the reason being base salary 13 million, 2.5 roster bonus. Uh, you tally those up together, that's 15.5. You've got to take into consideration the minimal aspect of the base salary, shave a little bit off of that, cut it in half, which is the conservative number I've been using as restructure model. And that takes uh, Kenny Clark down $7 million. Uh, Jair Alexander, he's going to be here forever, right? We love Jair. He's going to be a part of the future. 1.4 base salary, can't touch that. It's pretty much right there around the minimum mark. Roster bonus, 12 million flat. So let's say you took half of that roster bonus of 12 million and, uh, and converted it to signing bonus, then you can free up set, uh, 6 million there. Uh, Preston Smith, 5 million dollars is the number I have on him. His cap hit is 13 million, base salary is 2 million, roster bonus is 8.1. You combine those at 10.1, cut it in half, that's 5 million. What that means, guys, in layman's terms. 28 million dollars that you could still free up doing these on the low end, guys, of the simple restructure number that we talked about of 40 million. So, if you freed up 28 million we're roughly $8 million over the cap right now, according to Spotrack. Overthecap.com uh, has them a little at like $4.5 million over the cap. So let's stick with the worst number, worst case scenario in Spotrack at $8.8 million, right? You free up $28 million. You now have $20 million to spend in free agency. But I thought the Packers were going to have to fold. <laughs> Please, guys, I'm not trying to be a smart a S here. All right. I'm not trying to sound smart. I'm not trying to be rude. If you're hearing my voice and you've been in the camp of this, kicking the can down the road is going to catch up to us, kicking the can down the road is going to catch up to us. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. I want to help you understand. I was in your position four years ago. I was the one on Ryan's Facebook group going, this is going to catch up. This is horrible way to do business because it was all so new. But again, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. Once we've gotten into this three, four years into the program now, you can see how this business is operating. Until the NFL closes, the cash over cap loophole, this is the way you're going to have to compete in the National Football League. You've got to embrace it. And the the best way to embrace it is to completely understand how it's played. I don't completely understand it yet either. I'm learning every day but we can kind of grow and learn together. And you guys shoot me emails, shoot me messages on Twitter and let me know, Hey man, uh, what do you think about this aspect? Hey, I just noticed this. I don't think you understand it fully so we can learn together. I'm not above that, that the goal is to get better as Packer fans and understanding how cash over cap works, but hopefully you get a little bit better understanding of, of what's going on there. And the Packers, I think are in great shape. I really do. You know, the thing that, that uh, some of the doom and gloomers don't want to accept is the fact that Aaron Rodgers and Jordan love might be on this roster together. And I think it's a good thing. And I hear people continue to talk about the fifth year option. The fifth year option is exactly that it's an option. It could happen. I would like to see the Packers sign a long-term extension with Jordan love for the very reason we just talked about. Like, Jordan Love's options are going to be to get a fifth-year option guaranteed $20 million, right? Or, um, and then knowing next year, he may get the franchise tag of whatever, 30-some million dollars, whatever it may be. Or we could negotiate a contract for a four-year extension for him and offer him $100 million in guaranteed money. Well, how can they do that, Clayton? Because you can do an average of $25 million in guarantees per year Tack on two voidable years and be able to move that cap around to where Aaron, where uh Jordan Love's cap hit next year might be $15 million. So you've got Jordan Love as a starting quarterback beginning next year at a cap hit of $15 million. And the entirety of that four-year contract, there's so much maneuverability that the Packers can use that to their advantage. When other teams are having cap hits of 35, 40, 45, and even $50 million at the quarterback position, the Packers will be sitting at $15 million. You know how exciting that is? Now, $15 million cap hit next year, right? Well, what was the cap hit be this year? It would be the same as it is currently. Jordan Love right now is a $3.9 million cap hit, significantly less than most of the NFL's backup quarterback cap hits across the entire league. You have Aaron Rodgers for one more year and say, hey, this is it, bub. After this year, we're done. Then – his cap hit, let me just jump ahead. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to jump ahead really quick and just kind of talk about what I mean here. Aaron Rodgers' cap hit next year, okay, is $40.7 million. Everybody says if he returns this year, we're absolutely screwed. Oh, we're torched. First of all, he said the deal is going to be touched a bit. Let's throw that out the window and pretend like he never said it. This is what I'm getting at. His cap hit next year is $40.7 million. If he retires, the dead cap is $24 million. Okay? So what's that mean? That means you free up $16 million, like $16.2 million in cap if he retires next year. Okay? So if he retires next year and you free up $16 million in cap, what did I just say Jordan Love's cap hit would be if you signed a four-year deal with the maneuverability of the money? It would be roughly $15 to $17 million. So the difference in Aaron Rodgers' cap hit and the cap hit you take on is identical. What am I saying here? Your your salary cap stays exactly the same way, and you step into the Jordan Love era with him on a four-year extension and significantly cheaper than every other top 10 quarterback in the league because let's assume that we think he can be a top 10 quarterback in the league, which I I'm leaning towards. I think the Packers believe that. That's what they've said. We've seen flashes of it. I think Jordan Love can be the real deal. Your cap does not change at all next year. No, no, they the doom and gloomers said that the cap's ruined if he comes back. It's significantly worse if he comes back than if he didn't this year. But who again, what's the goal? The goal is to read the cap year to year. Don't buy into the doom and gloom of three years from now, we're going to be screwed because it never comes to fruition. There's so much flexibility as long as cash over cap is a loophole. Okay. So if you take that into consideration. And he's on the roster next year, right? It's showing right now that for whatever reason, Spotrack is actually showing Jordan Love at $20.2 million cap hit next year in the red as a base salary. I don't know why they have that on there because he hasn't signed a fifth-year option to the best of my knowledge. Um, but the cap right now is negative $14 million dollars next year. Significantly better than it was going into the offseason this year. And again, this cap hit, you're, if you're saying, well, that doesn't include Jordan Love's $15 million. No, you're right. But it does include Aaron Rodgers' $40.7 million cap hit, which, if we cut him loose, would now drop down to a dead cap of $24.4 million. According to track again, I'm assuming they have all the numbers worked out correctly. But if they do, $24.4 million, okay, you're freeing up $16 million. Insert $15 million cap hit for year one of the Jordan Love era. We're sitting at negative $14.1 million against the cap. Guys, it's going to work out. Now, the question is, do the Packers think that Jordan Love is the next starting quarterback? That's the question. I can't answer that. I'm not in the building. I'm not watching practice. I'm not sitting in those weekly meetings with Brian Gutekunst, uh, Mark Murphy, and Matt LaFleur, and Russ Ball. I guarantee you this. They know if he is or not. When I say they know, they know whether they think he is or not. Right. And if they do, this will be the next move. I'm not rolling out a fifth year option. I'm just saying we got to stop pretending like that's the only option because I could see Jordan Love taking 100 million guaranteed over the next four years, tack on two voidables. And now you can minimize the hit in 2024 and ramp it up as you move along. That's how this thing's going to get done, in my opinion. But again, the question is. Do they know he's the guy? Now, the last part of that emailers' question, I I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, I don't, but I do want to respect the fact that Liam asked this. What's your take on the Bob McGinn story? I apologize if I'm walking you into a rant, Liam. The fact that you acknowledge that you could potentially be walking me into a rant is going to significantly help me significantly reduce uh, the uh, the chance of me walking into that rant. So I'm going to try to stay calm here. Okay, Bob McGinn. My question is, who's your source? Someone within a building. Okay, that's not an answer. Who's your source? Name the source. Who was it? You ain't got to give a name. Just say, does he does he work hand-in-hand with Russ Ball or Brian Gutekinds? If the answer is no, then my next question will be, does he work hand-in-hand with the scouts? If the answer is no, my next question will be, does he clean the toilets? At Lambeau Field, if the answer is no, then I would say, "Who the hell is it that has this opinion?" That's the problem I have with the Bob McGinn story, because there's always all these things going on behind the scenes, but there's never a source mentioned. They don't want to give up their source because they ruined that source. But tell you what, it is—it's a mole. There's a mole. If if he what he's saying is accurate and 100% true then there's a mole in the building that's leaking this out, creating drama. Now, Ryan done a great job. I think he put a tweet out saying, who do you think leaked this? Was it the team? Was it Aaron Rodgers? Was it – who was it? All right? That's the question we've all got to answer. So, Liam, to answer your question, my take on the Bob again story is I try not to even pay any attention to that. It may end up being 100% true. It might be 100% false. But if someone's not willing to be 100% truthful and not litter, completely litter the the conversation, the article, the uh, the podcast with Tyler Dunn. By the way, both these guys got ran out of town because they're constantly drawing up, creating, creating drama. I'm not trying to judge them personally. They were doing their job. If that's a the lifestyle they want to live, awesome. I personally don't want to be that type of podcaster to where let me see if I can dig up some nerd. Now, I want to be a podcaster that covers a team the way the old school reporters did back in the day when they were trying to protect the Packers and keep them in Green Bay. I want to paint the brighter side of things rather than trying to drum up negative and in some cases, maybe not most cases, but some cases stretch the truth a bit and not include the source. What if his source ended up being Tyler Dunn and Tyler Dunn's source – ended up being a guy who was a former reporter who had a beer with a guy who was a current reporter on the beat. And they sat down and said, man, I heard rumors that they are disgusted with Aaron Rodgers." Oh really? Who said that? Well, I'd rather not say now you're four parties removed from the actual source. And that guy probably doesn't like Aaron Rodgers in the building or doesn't like Brian Gutekunst and wants to create a little bit of drama. Right? Not that he think it would get to this level, but that's how these things get rolling. Again, it could be true. Liam, it may not. I could care less because it doesn't affect me as a Packer fan. We're going to have Aaron Rodgers' answer here real soon. And if he's welcome back, if he's traded, then we'll go, hey, it was true. They were they were holding their cards tight to the vest, the Packers being you know, they being the organization. And they were waiting for his decision. He wants to come and play. All right, Aaron, here's the three teams we're willing to trade you to. Do you want to play or not? That would force Aaron into retirement. If he, uh, if he didn't want to play for one of those three, five teams, whatever it is, they may come out. He may come out of the, the darkness retreat and say, man, I'm ready to go one more year. If they do, I just laid out how you can make the Jordan Love contract completely work next year, um, and hey, let's run it back one more year if that's the case, and it proves that there was no problem and Bob McGinn's full of crap, all right? Again, I'm not saying that's my personal opinion, but what I'm getting at is we're going to know really, really soon, and I personally, am don't care. It's a good talking point. I think it's hilarious it dropped as soon as Aaron went into the darkness retreat where he was going to be completely removed from any uh, any way to respond to it, right? But I do know this. He will probably be back on the McAfee show next Tuesday. It's my understanding there's not going to be an Aaron Rodgers Tuesday this week. I think McAfee's taking a week or two off. Um, So he should be back next week. We'll probably get our answer by next Tuesday. I'm not saying that's when it has to come. I think it, you know, it may go as far as up to the edge of free agency. That's possible. There's different game plans put in place for if he returns, if he doesn't return, if he's traded, if he's not traded. Um, I guarantee you, Brian Gutekinds and Russ Ball, they have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D and here's, here's how we're going to approach it if he comes out and retires. Here's how we're going to approach it if he comes back. Here's how we're going to approach it if we're going to trade him. Here's how we're going to approach it if we're not going to trade him. I think that's, that's how they'll look at it. So uh, appreciate the question, though, Liam. Hopefully that answered it for you. I just don't buy into the whole um, he said, she said rumors, and I think it's hilarious that it came out in a time where Aaron can't respond to it, um, which not that he even would. I don't think he looks at – McGinn or, or Tyler Dunn as as two that he would need to respond to he does like to take some uh some haymaker shots in some of the national media that obviously have lied about stuff in the past so but with that being said man appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with us uh hopefully I didn't ramble too much I'm, I'm gonna be rusty before we get into it you take a week off from podcasting man and you you kind of get out of the groove but uh Really, really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, to hang out with us and make us a part of your day. Um, I don't even know what day it is. Let's see here. It's Tuesday, so this will be going out around noon central time on Tuesday. Hope you guys have an awesome afternoon. If you're listening on Wednesday, thank you for making us a part of your work day as well. We'll be back on Thursday with another pod. We're going to talk a little bit of draft. I finished my draft board. Um, the early stages still have three modifiers to apply, which will come at a later date when more information comes out, but I'm liking how this draft is stacking up for the Packers. There's going to be multiple options at multiple positions of need and we're going to cover that moving forward so appreciate you guys as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go
0: on the fake rogers lets it fly has watson
1: he's got it
0: on his feet and he's in for the touchdown
1: That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him. It's just press, man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.